0: welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, where we have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I am Brad Brown, joined in the studio with my co-host, my friends, my brothers in arms, arms, Jonathan Haefs and John Mark DeRoe. How's it going today, guys?
1: I'll I'll link arms with you. Sure. That's fine.
2: Yeah, why not?
0: Yeah. That's what the metaphor was extending.
1: Listen, if we sound different today, it's because there is a massive difference In this studio. We all got our tonsils
0: out. (laughs) (laughs) Made a real difference. Did A group tonsil
1: procedure. No. John Mark, do you want to tell everybody why, why our voices sound so much more amazing?
2: We got new microphones. We did. So this is the first episode that you, as the listener, get to hear us, the podcast hosts, with the new microphones. Yeah.
0: It shades midweek. We're always thinking about the
1: listeners' experience,
0: aren't
2: we? <laughs> we put the listener first. That's right. That's in our in missions. all things. That's in our mission statement.
1: It is right. the mission statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners yeah. first. No, so speaking of we, oh well oh John no I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say so oh, one that, that would have been
0: so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My bad. Um. So I I was gonna say it was almost it, that was almost too perfect of a moment yeah. for Shades Midweek. Yeah. We, we can't be having too that smooth. kind of professionalism. Too smooth. Um. No, all I was going to say is we actually would love feedback from you, the listener, as we're trying to, we're, we're learning and trying to perfect uh, the, the the new mics and all of that. So it may take us a couple of episodes to work out all the kinks. But if you have feedback, like if, if somebody's voice sounds weird or
0: somebody, annoying or, yeah, or
1: one person's really quiet or someone's too loud or whatever, shoot us an email at midweek at shadesvalley.org. Speaking of emails,
2: mm, there we go. Let's go down to the email, email corridor. Yes. We got a great email based off of our episode from last week. For those who didn't listen to our episode last week, we celebrated our one-year anniversary we, here. Would, if in you, did, of the if week.
1: you didn't listen last week, yeah. what are you even doing? What, it was what a you, big celebration. It, was, it was, an was
2: an epic celebration. Massive. We had, we had monkeys riding dogs. Right.
1: Celebrity guests. We brought in Bono.
2: It was awesome. Mm. It was really, really good. And fresh off of that episode... We talked a lot about we wanted listeners to interact with us, right? We want to receive your emails. We want to hear your feedback. We got an email from one of our favorite listeners, Grant Primo. Oh, Grant. Oh, Grant. We love Grant here at the podcast. We do love Grant. We really do.
1: Everybody knew Everybody knew who that email was from before, before we even
2: announced it. Yeah, exactly. we knew that Grant was going to be emailing. We just... I just love him to death. So let's yeah. just see. I haven't even looked at this email yet. Yeah, so me I mean I did not even know. I'm just going to open it up Dude, and listen. See. As, First time. With all of the
1: amazing things that Grant has said in the past about Shades Midweek, I mean, he's like king of the fan club. He really is. I can only imagine the amazing praise that's about to flow forth from this email.
2: All right. So I'm opening it up. Let's see what it
1: says What's here. the subject line?
2: Oh, dead to me. That's the Hmm. subject line of the email. Is that That maybe the name of a song or something? I don't know. Let's just open it up and Hmm. let's just see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Grant says, I was going about my normal routine today. Went to the Y during lunch to work out, opened up my podcast app, fired up the Shades Midweek podcast, and then just got assaulted. Assaulted? It sounds like somebody assaulted him at the gym. Who did that? surely let's read on and see if someone physically assaulted grant at the gym he says what a slap in the face it uh, sounds like somebody maybe slapped him oh in the face gosh. i don't know grant. what is what a slap in the face to forget that i was the guest on your most popular and best episode i want to recount on the episode rank list oh my
0: goodness <laughs> wow wow he that, that was a david moment
1: you are that man, you know? <laughs> He's calling for a recount. Saying that we slapped him in the face, assaulted him, no less. This is a lawyer accusing us of these things. I well, know. I'm
2: getting a little nervous. Yeah, well, listen to this, guys. I'm currently preparing a lawsuit against the podcast for fraud, misrepresentation, slander, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. I also obviously officially renounce my position as the biggest fan of the Shades Midweek podcast. Oh, that's it, guys. This was fun while it lasted. So before I continue on, so he's referencing a moment in last week's episode where, as we were just sort of discussing, having an open conversation about some of our favorite episodes and some people that have been on, we mentioned that uh, Andrew Thompson has been on the podcast quite a bit, and I... I will own this. Yeah, I, I I made the mistake of saying, hey, w- didn't Andrew also do that podcast about CCM? And it wasn't yeah. Andrew, it was Grant. Yeah. It yeah. was Grant, which we corrected ourselves in the moment, right. well, but it's it's out there. I'm glad that you clarified that it was you
1: that said it. Though.
0: It's
2: it's it was out in the world you know what? at but that but
0: point.
1: But we're real, we're authentic here at Shades We could have edited that out. Could have edited that. I could have edited in. it out, but yeah. I left it in,
2: you know. Yeah. Yeah, I left it in because we're real and raw here. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's
0: Messy in, our, that's in our mission. That's in our mission statement.
2: So, uh, yeah. So he says all that. Need to
1: see this mission statement.
2: <laughs> but then he says seriously, though, I'm honored to be confused for the great Andrew Thompson. And then he gave us his top episodes because we asked for your top episodes. So here, here's Grant's favorite episodes from T- Shades Midweek. He gave how many? did He give? Was it Six. Six. His top six. Wow. In no particular order. Wow. The five approaches to Revelation, which is one that we mentioned that's last cool. week. Celebrity Christianity. That was a, that was a great one. That Interview with one. Dr. Smith. Mm, that's a given. A Hidden Life. Oh yeah. He he loves film too. Yeah. He loves Malik. He loves Malik. Malik. That's true. All of the four streams episodes. Wow. So that's like that's like a lot of episodes, right? All of mm. the four streams episodes?
1: I believe and it's then, four.
2: And then favorite correct. favorite Christmas things. And then he said, every Meet a Member episode has been great, too. So he basically just named like all 50 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I agree. Classic lawyer I agree. Move. am Grant, I right? They're all my favorite, too. He,
1: he did not name the CCM episode that he himself was on. Oh, That's some wow. humility right there. That is. Some real humility. Grant, we, we would like you to know that was one of our favorite
2: episodes. It was great. Your former number one fan, Grant Primo, Esquire.
0: Wow. We got to win him back. We got to win him back. What's it going to take? And we got to win this lawsuit. Apparently, we got a lawyer up. I've I've watched a lot of jags, so I feel pretty
2: confident.
1: (laughs) That's okay. We have a lawyer here at Shades that I'm sure will do it pro bono. His name. Oh crud! That is Grant.
2: Oh, that was Grant. Oh no, (laughs) we are really in trouble, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Grant, for reaching out. We do apologize, and we hope that you would reconsider your position on being the number one fan of the podcast. And maybe you'd like to come on here and we could just talk about it. We could just air our grievances together as a community, as a body of believers, right? Yeah, what a beautiful ending.
1: <laughs> well,
2: So
0: that's that's been a trip down to the email corridor. <laughs> yeah, we need a song. That'd be perfect right there.
1: Speaking of needing a song to intro a segment, I find myself in need of JM's album of the week.
2: JM's album of the week yeah so i didn't have as much time to prepare for this as i did last week so this is going to be short and sweet to the point okay and off of last week i talked a lot about brian eno and his ambient music and how much that's been an inspiration to me so my album of the week this week i'm just going to continue on that trend uh and it's brian eno again and this album is called. Wow. Di- this album's called Discreet Music. Okay. It was put out in 1975. It's more instrumental music. The first track is a short 31 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> Radio friendly. And I put it on whenever I read, whenever I uh, am just contemplating life's questions.
1: Yeah, sounds appropriate.
0: But this
2: is what Ninete- it sounds like
1: 1975. That track was an entire side of an LP I think or it, both sides I think of
2: an LP. I think they had to split it on the LP. Wow. wow. So the yeah, so I think it's like a double LP if you can find the actual vinyl of this, which I don't have. How nice is that?
1: I'm digging it. It's like I, I'm synth- being
2: taken
0: someplace and I'm not sure where it is. I'm trying I'm trying to th- think about that.
2: It's nice. That it is nice. Yeah, he uses like synth loops. So this was not very common back in the 70s, but he would, because you're recording to analog tape. So he would record a synth phrase to analog tape, yeah. and he would do that multiple times. So then all the tape loops are different uh lengths of time yeah and then you record in you use those loops and so you make a whole track of all these different loop phrases that you've recorded so the whole thing has no sort of rhythm or cadence to it because the loops are actually passing each other wow but yeah so it's great and now you can find it in your favorite meditation app right <laughs> i would
1: ju- i'm just scrolling through all of his albums
2: He's got some weird stuff. I would
1: would just like to know his process for naming albums. The equatorial stars.
2: (laughs) One other little factoid. Before
1: and after science. Ten pictures.
2: (laughs) Okay, so one other little factoid about Brian Eno, and then I'll stop. He has this box of cards that he released, and it's called Oblique Strategies. And I bought it. And what it is, is in the creative process, sometimes you get stuck doing something. You you can't come up with that next idea. And so he has this box of cards, and each card has a different suggestion on it. And so the idea is to randomly pick a card, and you're supposed to use that for direction for whatever creative thing you're trying to do. Yeah. And so it can be, and I have not, and I've actually purposefully not looked at all the cards because I want yeah. it to be a surprise whenever I use them. But it could be something like, um, whatever didn't work uh, last time, like try something new here. It's something like real kind of vague like that. All right. So he actually would make records this way. He'd be like, okay, guys, today, these are the three cards that I've chosen randomly, and they have to like follow those strategies
0: (laughs) pretty wild
2: so it makes for some really interesting stuff Wow, he's a wild guy
1: my favorite title right here my life in the bush of ghosts
2: yeah that's a really popular one
1: (laughs) I get what he's saying though Sorry, I'm just obsessed with these titles of these albums right now. All All right. right.
2: So that's James' album of the world. That was great, James. Thank you so much. much. What in the world are we doing today now that we're 15 minutes into this episode? Well,
1: Brad made a massive promise to our listeners that we have a very special interview today that we really are actually very excited about. But Brad promised that we would be interviewing the president. Do you want to explain yourself, Brad? We are
0: interviewing the president in the studio... Through a phone we <laughs> via are via technology Exactly <laughs> Bluetooth. Science. It's like he's with us. We are in all seriousness interviewing the president of the Evangelical Free Church of America, the denomination that we belong to Kevin Complin Woo <laughs> Yes. He has graciously graciously very graciously given (laughs) us some of his time to talk with us a little bit about himself and a little bit about the efca and what's going on in the efca so without further ado here's our interview with the president of the efca kevin Complin. i hope you enjoy Kevin, first off, I'd just like to thank you for joining us on Shades Midweek today. How are you doing?
3: Doing really well. Thank you. It's uh, really a joy to be with you. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Well, we told people on the podcast that the president would be joining us today via phone, so we really are honored that you would take some time out of your day to meet with us.
3: Well, I appreciate being asked, and uh, my heart is is in and for the local church and to be able to spend some time engaging with you and talking about the FCA, as well as what, you know, your local church, uh, it's what, to what I, why I do what I do. So, uh, it, it's, it's really a privilege to be with you today.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, let's just go ahead and dive right in. First, we want to hear a little bit about you. So maybe we could start with you telling us a little bit about, uh, how you grew up. Tell us about your family and how you came to the faith.
3: Sure. Well, I, I grew up in a smaller community about, uh, oh, 75 miles from the Canadian border and about 50 miles from the North Dakota border in northwest Minnesota, small town where uh, I used to pray for snow and cold so I could go ice skating outdoors and ride snowmobiles, and that was sort of my <laughs> life as a kid. But I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. Uh, my mom and dad uh, both deeply committed to Jesus and loved the church. And uh, I, I just I, the, the local church was just a part of my life growing up, and in fact, uh, I came to faith in Christ really through the the witness of my mom and dad as a as a young person, and and then through the investment of my local church um, people there in this small little EFCa church that just invested in my in my life um, really were a significant part of my of my growth in faith, and so it's been uh, it's one of those times where I look back and I say, you know, and I look at my mom and dad, they're both with Jesus now. And, and when I think about it, I, I I always knew they loved each other and I always knew they loved Jesus and they served the church and gave me really a tremendous example of how to, of how to do that well.
0: Now, uh, we're Southerners here. So (laughs) if we get half an inch of snow, we're out for a couple months. So,
1: uh, uh, whole city shut down if it snows here, Kevin, that's right. We're not
3: prepared. You know, I get that. I've lived 27 years in San Jose, California. And so I I, I love San Jose because it snows on the mountains around us and I can wave at the snow and I don't have to mess with it. So (laughs) that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um,
1: Yeah, we don't even get to wave from here. (laughs) Yeah. Now, are
0: you an ice skater?
3: I am. Yeah, it started I started ice skating when I was uh, 4 years old, started playing ice hockey when I was 5.
1: So fun story. While we are Southerners, uh the building that we meet in here, uh our our church purchased it back in 2006 and it was an ice rink at one point and has been converted into a church.
3: Really? That's wonderful. Oh my goodness. That, that that's great. It's a great story. I love it.
1: Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to get you down here sometime. You'll feel right at home. That's right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. I would enjoy that a lot. That'd be wonderful.
1: Well, Kevin, tell us a, a little bit about your call to ministry and um, and how you became the president of the EFCA.
3: Well, it really, my call to ministry goes back to what I talked about a few moments ago, and it was from my home church. Um, from in this smaller EFCA church in a small town, I had the opportunity as I was growing up to really be involved doing ministry, not not just watching it, but to do it. Uh, we had a youth group that was much larger in size than than would be proportional to the church itself. And and, and we had a volunteer youth leader. He was a, a junior high science teacher. And, and he invested in us, saw some leadership abilities in me, and began to invest in me. And he, he said, hey, I have a full-time job. I have three little kids and a wife. I can't do all this stuff. I need to train you how to do it. And so he taught me how to study the scriptures, how to teach. Um, we were involved. I got involved serving in a variety of levels as I grew up. And throughout that whole time, literally affirm those of us that were involved in, in in youth ministry as they saw gifts in us. And some of these dear old saints would come up and say, have you ever thought maybe God would be calling you into ministry? We see some gifts in you. We, we see how God's using you in the ministry here. And what's what's fascinating is out of this church, out of a youth group of uh it was fairly large youth group for a small church, twenty five or thirty kids in this youth group, out of that group, there are four or five of us that have been pastors, uh, four missionaries, a seminary, um, a seminary professor, and, and we all and, and more and a number of folks the kids I grew up with that have been leaders in local churches. And and it's because this church invested it. Well, I, I began to pray, Lord, is that really what you want? Do you, do you want me to serve in ministry? And while I was uh, at, in, in uni- my university years, it, it was really clear that the Lord just put on my heart, yes, I'm calling you uh, into ministry. So I went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, the UFCA Seminary in the Chicago area, and, and graduated from there. It's where I met my wife. She had attended a college there. Uh, we met, were married, and then served uh, two AFCA churches, two free churches, one in the university town in southeastern Minnesota on the right on the Mississippi River in the southeast corner, and, and then God called us to San Jose, California, and in in one of the like like the ninth largest city in the country, a very multicultural city, and the Lord just opened significant doors for us in ministry to first gener- generation immigrants in our community. And at the same time, we started an outreach in East Africa, a mission focus among an unreached people group, which led me multiple times to the continent of Africa. And um, in 2005, the end of 2005, uh, God just put a real call in our hearts to leave the local church and to go into missions full time. So for most of a decade, I led the Africa division of Reach Global, which is the EFCA mission. And had a chance to just travel all over the continent and see, I mean, God did some things there that absolutely are, are mind-blowing of the way that leaders are raised up and churches were planted and significant ministry started. And, and it was out of that, I was I was enjoying what I was doing in Africa. And uh, I got an email that said, hey, your name's been uh, suggested as somebody who uh, might be interested in the EFCA president role. And, and so I literally, I prayed for three months before I got up enough courage to fill out this lengthy um, application. And, and, and it was out of that that God opened the door for me to serve in the role I'm in now. And I'll be in it. Uh, June will be the end of six years.
1: That's all. Like, I have like fifty questions I want to ask to dive deeper <laughs> into each of those things.
3: Oh, but I well, know we d- have you dive for a deeper man. Time. Whatever you want to do, I'm, oh. I'm good.
1: Like, I want to do a whole podcast sometime, episode of just you telling us stories from your time in yeah, Africa. Yeah, I was
0: thinking about asking for him to just share one story,
1: maybe. Do Do you have one that well, comes to mind? Oh
3: well, let, let me give you. It's a, it, it, it's a story at the beginning of my time. Uh, in fact, it would have been this would have been 2007, I believe. Uh, we had a staff conference where we 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 had missionaries living in six countries and we had a gr- some growing national partnerships. And we brought our staff together in uh, at a conference center in Kenya, and we brought six leaders from from uh, national leaders from uh, churches in five countries in Africa. And we had them together and they began to uh, we began to talk about reaching the unreached and the significance of 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 engaging people who had never heard the gospel. And, and and at the end of one evening, we brought these six guys up and laid our hands on them as a group, and we prayed over them. And, and we were exhausted from the day. I went back and went to sleep. And the next morning, they were bleary-eyed, and they came to see me, and they said, Kevin, we need to talk. They said, we couldn't sleep all night long. And and, and I'm like, oh, man, what did we do? My first thought was, I hope we didn't offend them. <laughs> and. And and, and so I gathered some of my leadership team, and we sat down with these six guys, and and they said, we spent the whole night singing, praying, worshiping, reading the scriptures, and crying out to God, Lord, if these folks from America are that concerned about reaching the unreached in Africa, what are you asking us to do? Hmm. And they said, we really believe God's asking us to launch something that we want to call Reach Africa that could be an indigenous African expression of church planting movements among the unreached, would you be willing to help us? Mm. Well, that's one of those like nanosecond answers. You know, I I didn't need to pray about that one. That's one of those. Yes, we'll help you. And, And to tell you what came out of that is just incredible. Over a 10 year window of time, we saw God move from five countries to more than 20 countries. We saw tens of thousands of leaders and church planters trained, thousands of churches planted, all the training, the materials written, the training done, the planting all done by Africans. And we just saw God move in some ways that were incredible. Uh, And it's continuing to go and continuing to grow. And uh, it's one of the great joys of my life to have been able to be a cheerleader, to walk alongside these godly leaders, as they had such a heart for reaching their continent,
1: hmm. Kevin, that's an absolutely incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I think, like when when people in our church hear a story like that, or just when anybody who's just a you know who, who's a member in a local church works kind of a normal nine to five job, any of that, when they hear a story like that, I think often their first thought can be, "Man, I, it would be so incredible." To have an experience like that, or to have been in Kevin's shoes or someone else's shoes who's doing that, what what do you say to the average church member to help them feel connected to that larger work that the EFCA is doing? Well,
3: it, I, I think a lot of it is it, it was down to a couple of things. Number one is it's, it's expanding, in a sense, even your understanding of what God's doing in places, mm-hmm. not just halfway around the world, but but, but right in your own community. I, I have to tell you, the healthiest churches I know are churches that have a heart for reaching people in their own community that, that may not be like them. Maybe they're in a different part of town or a different socioeconomic, um, you know, or, 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 you know, different racial group, socioeconomic group, whatever it is. Reaching people in their own community and they have for reaching people somewhere else around the world. It, it's not either or, it's both and, as we do that. And, and, I, and I think in that regard, it's saying, so, Lord, where are you at work and where could be, where could we become involved? And and it's it's knowing and praying. I mean, just, just I know several people around the country. Um, during the, the time that I was working and uh, leading the work in Africa, we launched a ministry um, it's called Global Fingerprints through the EFCA, which is, which is a child sponsorship ministry uh, it's now in multiple countries around the world. It started out in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And what I found is people begin to sponsor a child and they start praying for the church in that country where that child is. Because a lot of what our focus is out of Global Fingerprints is ministering to the lives of children and planting churches in communities. And it's, it's working in and through the church with an eye to the church. So some of it is just getting to know what's going on so your heart is there. Um, you know, even finding out some the names of some missionaries, the names of some national national leaders around the world that you could pray for. And uh, I'll tell you, it changed the church I pastored. Um, pastored church in San Jose and out of that church when we did this partnership in East Africa, four families from our church went full time into missions in Africa. Um, and one of which happened to be the senior pastor and his wife to do that. I, not to scare you, but that, that's what happened. To us. And, and, I mean it was but what what happened is that for us, missions no longer were sort of nameless, faceless people. These were real people we knew because we sent how about a dozen short-term teams to East Africa over an eight- year window of time. So our, our people got to know people. and and so they weren't they were no longer praying for um, things they didn't understand. They were praying for people that they knew. Mm. And that that makes a
0: huge difference. Oh, yeah. That's so powerful, Kevin. We want to come back and talk more about the EFCA and Reach Global. Uh, But before we do, we do want to talk about the EFCA. And you are someone that knows about the EFCA. You grew up in an EFCA church. You've worked with the EFCA in Global Mission. You're now the president of the EFCA. Um, Down here in the South, y'all, uh, uh, people aren't as familiar with the EFCA, uh, neither, uh, Jonathan, John Martin, or myself grew up in an EFCA, uh, in, in the EFCA or an EFCA church. And we just, you know, we just had a membership, um, class this past Sunday. And the, the joke that I make is that is the EFCA were Baptists without the baggage. Um, now I don't think that's the best description, um, so we want to hear from you. Uh, so when someone asks you to describe the Evangelical Free Church of America, uh, what do you say?
3: Yeah, I would describe it this way. We, we, re, we really are an association of autonomous and interdependent churches that are focused on a mission we share, which is to glorify God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. It's about seeing the gospel go forth. So it's about a mission we share that's gospel centered, and and it's about a statement of faith that we hold very deeply that are, in a sense, the gospel essentials. So what for for all the years of the EFCA, what's held us together is values that we share and trusting relationships. In fact, you know, in, in almost every ministry that I know, it's about shared values and trusting relationships. And so the values we share are the mission that God has us on and our statement of faith that holds us together. And our trusting relationships are because we get we get the privilege to do this together. And it's it's local churches and regional districts and, and our national and international ministries, of the EFCA, and we get to work together on things that matter for the kingdom of God. And, and so it's, it's far more an association um, that is grassroots in nature. It's been that way from the very beginning. Uh, in fact i i had somebody when I that was not a part of the FCA when I heard I was going to become the president of the denomination, they said, "Wow, Kevin, that's amazing. I mean, you have to have a lot of authority in a role like that. And I just laughed because <laughs> I said, in the in the free church, free matters, right in the FCA, but we but what we are is we're together on a mission that's gospel driven, and that's what keeps us going. And my heart is i I told the the search committee when they were looking for a presidential candidate and, you know, in, in, in 2015, I, 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 I just said, you know, my heart is to lead a, a, a movement of gospel centered churches that want to make a difference for the kingdom. And, and that's, that's really what we are.
1: His answer was a lot better than yours, Brad.
0: Definitely. <laughs> yeah. We need to record that for the membership class. Um, you talked about uh, the statement of faith. When you talk about the values of the EFCA, uh, would you list maybe some values that the EFCA has that uh, hold bring, uh, bring churches together outside the statement of faith?
3: Sure. In fact, it, part of what I did in the early days when I was um, president in 2015-2016 um, I walked away from the conference and I was elected president of VFCA. And on the way on the on the way back home, I turned to my wife, Becky, and I said, so um, now I need to figure out what a president does. Because <laughs> I said, I've never been the president of anything before. I mean, not even my fourth grade class or anything. And so, it was, and so, so what I did is I spent some time over the course of the first uh, couple of months just praying and asking the Lord of all the seemingly gazillion things that I could do, what do you want me to do? And and there are a couple of really important things got through my heart. The the first is, uh, Kevin, I gave you that experience in Africa for a reason. And that is that I think it's important that you you work to help churches in North America, churches in the U.S. to begin to look at their own communities through the eyes of missionaries. Uh, Who's here? Where are the unreached, the unnoticed, the you know the the uninterested, the unengaged people in your community, and, and how could you reach them? And that's what missionaries do, and it's mm-hmm. begin to just look at your community differently. The second thing that it really put on my heart is that we could begin to work as what I call one EFCa, and, and that is local churches, regional districts, the national, international ministries of of, of EFCa working together to see that. Kingdom of God advance on the gospel go forward. Now when when I began to think about that, I thought, okay, so the key then is we're gonna do this together. We need to know what we we need to know what our shared values are. And I knew our statement of faith was clearly some of our shared values. And I said, so what mm-hmm. are some of the other values? What are the things that have been there for a hundred years that are still here? They're rooted deep in who we are. I took like six months to a year and I just talked to people and prayed and went around the country and got a chance to interact with missionaries and pastors and leaders and, and, and God really put on my heart six things. And and I and the more I began to talk about this, people's eyes began to light up. It's like this 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 was back here long time ago. And and, and it really begins with there's six words. I, I call it the first word is the word abide. And and it's it's about an abiding faith in Jesus Christ, a dynamic personal walk of faith in Jesus Christ that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and Spirit-dependent prayer. I mean, it is about a real walk of faith. Hmm. The, the second is, it, it, is the word, it, scriptures or the word, that, that we're people of the book, that, that we want to know and obey the authoritative and errant word of God and that we're Bible people in that sense. The, the third is gospel, and, and that is that it is the work of Jesus Christ, his His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his coming again, his work on our behalf, that changes everything. And what we do has to be centered around the gospel. The, 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 you know, the fourth thing is mission, that we're on great commission, great commandment kind of mission for God. And, and you go back the early days of the EFCA, when we were first these, we were primarily a. Uh, an immigrant movement of Swedish, Norwegian, Danish folks that were coming over and were were gathering and forming these churches that they called free churches. One of the things that drew them together to form this association was the need to do mission, which was church planting in the U.S. and sending missionaries overseas. And by the way, in w- the first place we ever sent missionaries was Salt Lake City, Utah. The second place was China. And so there's a sense that in the U.S. and around the world, and, and the fact that we, we, we brought together to be able to train leaders. So mission has been a huge part of what it is. So it's abide and word and gospel and mission. And, and, and the fifth word is, is the word community, that, that we get to do this together, that, that we don't do it alone, that we really are better together, and the sense of the connections we have that matter. And, and the sixth word is the word unity, and, and it's that we are we're united on gospel essentials and there's a lot of charity on other things, and that there are things we agree to to disagree about that aren't gospel that aren't gospel central. Um, but we are about those things that really matter. So I mean, those six values to me have been there they're there today. They were there a hundred years ago, and along with our statement of faith, really guide where we want to go. Because really, what we're about is multiplying disciples and disciple makers and extending the gospel into communities so we could strengthen, revitalize, and plant churches. I mean, that's a huge part of what we do.
0: That's so good. I mean, I think we just resonate so deeply with that. And as you're talking, I feel like you're describing Shades Valley. And so that's a good Mm -hmm. thing.
3: (laughs) That's great. That's great.
2: Kevin, uh, you know, evangelical... Can mean so many different things to different people. So, what do we mean uh, when we say evangelical?
3: Well, you're right. I mean, the word evangelical has all kinds of meanings in our culture and our mm-hmm. world today. And uh, this this is honestly one of the more frequent questions that I'm asked. And when when I when I look at it, I, I mean, I want to step back and, and and look at what it is because. Uh, You know, in our world today, uh, it it has all different kinds of meanings. Sociological, political, you name it. Theological, they're all out there. But but simply when I boil it down, it's this. That the word evangelical is an English translation of an ancient biblical word. It simply means good news. And so as evangelicals, we're the ones that carry the good news with us. We're, We're the ones that bring good news that... That out of the loving heart of God, that He has such a heart for lost people in a broken world that He wants to He wants to bring them back. He wants to bring them into right relationship with Him, and and it's I you know I think it's so much of the essence of that we find in in Ephesians chapter two, where in in Ephesians two Paul's writing and he says you're you're dead in your transgressions in your sins. I mean we weren't just sick; we were dead. We're spiritually dead. And, and then we get into verse four, and he says. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. And I think and that's the word evangelical, is that we carry that message with us, and, and we should live it and speak it, and it should be really the essence of who we are.
1: Yeah, that's slightly different than, tip, than typically what we uh, hear people say when we ask them, so what do you think the word evangelical means? <laughs> oh, oh,
3: yeah, Absolutely. It's very different, and that's what, to some degree, I mean, what I'm looking at right now for me is is part of what I'm doing is having conversations like this just to remind people to say, could we? Could I just, like, remind us that this, this word has had some really significant meaning in the past. It's not just what it means now. And, and the other is we need to understand, too, as we think about the global church, we think about the, the church outside of the United States, the term evangelical has way more of that historic meaning there than it does here. And, and so we're, you know, we're, we're seeing God do some very significant
1: things. Well, Kevin, we have just a few more questions for you. Uh, we want to move back to talking a little bit about Reach Global, but before we do that, uh, we have something that we do in almost all of our interviews, and we would be remiss if uh, we did not let our listeners experience uh, a lightning round with
3: you. That's great. <laughs>
1: so, so we we're glad that you will be a good sport with us here, but we're just going to throw out uh roughly about 10 just rapid-fire questions and just kind of first sure. thing that comes to mind. Just uh yeah, it's just help us get to know you even a little bit more. That's right. Sure. So question number So question number 1. <laughs> Kevin, how do you like your eggs? Scrambled. <laughs> Simple. I like it. <laughs> question number
0: 2 probably can't do this right now because covid but if you could pick one place to vacation where would that be
3: it would be italy oh yeah oh yes have you been before been a couple of times
1: oh incredible a specific do you have a specific place there we're looking for recommendations
3: (laughs) uh you know i i i've only briefly visited florence and uh, my wife and i would like to go back there again Would like to just explore more in the area there
1: Mm. awesome all right uh how do you like your coffee? Black. We knew we knew we liked you, Kevin. <laughs> we knew we're black, like black, hot, and
3: strong. That's what <laughs> that's it right. is right there. Black, hot, and strong, and I'm good. Oh, that's so good.
2: Kevin, do you have a preference between Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok? Or none? <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know, on the one hand I'd say none. I probably use Instagram more than others. Uh,
0: all right, um, Kevin. Do you have a favorite band, a favorite band, or a band that you like? I know it's hard to say favorite.
3: Yeah, um, I, you know, and I, I'm a bit ec- a bit eclectic in some of the some of the, mu- the music stuff. I mean, going back to my days growing up, mm. I would say be a band like the Eagles. Uh, uh is one of my favorite bands as a kid, You know, when I was a bike uh, high school college student.
0: That's, that's a good choice good choice
1: and Kevin my next question is also about favorites and it's which EFCA district is your favorite <laughs> R- remember we are well, in the it, southeast it, you know
3: it depends on who I'm talking to but, you know I think the southeast district is just wonderful yeah. I <laughs> and, and I, Glenn Schreiber is my hero so. hey there it
1: is we love Glenn oh. do you have a favorite theologian
3: Um, yes, uh, you know, I mean, there's some older theologians and some newer ones. I mean, I, I, I very much uh, on some of the older, more classic ones. I mean, I love reading the last stuff Calvin's written and those kinds of things. uh, Tim, I appreciate some of what Tim Keller's been writing uh, recently in a number of things. Um, And, uh, and just as far as more systematic theology, I, I just love Wayne Groom's systematic theology and he's uh, enjoyed reading that as well.
0: Well, along those lines, would you list, uh, several books that have been influential, uh, in your faith?
3: Wow. Um, you know, know. Go back a ways. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me, let let go back a ways. I mean, obviously outside of the Bible, um, uh, but that's right. Knowing that's right. God by J. I, knowing God by J.I. Packer. I mean, as a, as a mm-hmm. young, as a, you know, a young, a young leader, that was extremely significant to me. Um, as, uh, and, uh, some of the work, uh, John, some of John Stott's work that he, you know, his um, his uh, basic Christianity and 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 some of his work on the cross just was as, and been very helpful for me. As as I think about some things more recently that have helped me more missionally, a cu- couple of authors that have been really helpful for me. Uh, one is Steve Addison. Steve's from Australia. He's got a hmm. he studies church planting movements and what God has been doing around the world. And, and 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 there are two or three of his books that have have really sort of rocked my world of thinking about multiplying disciple makers and multiplying, church, multiplying churches and how we do that. I've appreciated um, I've appreciated Steve Addison a lot. Um, you know, I mean, those, those those are a few right off the top. I could give you some more, but um, those are a couple that have that have that have helped me.
0: All right, and last question, kind of a serious question. Have you ever seen a kangaroo in person?
3: <laughs> uh, I have, but it's been in like a zoo. It hasn't been in the wild, but I have seen them in person, yes.
1: All right,
0: very good. Kevin, thank you, you so much. You survived. You survived. I survived the lightning round. Hey, that's
3: good. Oh.
1: Well, Kevin, just a few more uh, questions. We're we are so thankful you're being so gracious with your time, especially for our ridiculousness. Um, but just to go back to the conversation about Reach Global, um, a, a couple of th- there are a couple of things that Reach Global does that we'd love for our listeners to get to hear a little bit more uh, about. So, could you just say a few things to explain to our listeners what the All People's Initiative is?
3: Sure. Well, the All People Initiative really is it's an initiative uh, lo- uh, nationally here in the U.S., which which ha- has a focus on. Reaching with the gospel and seeing disciple-making leaders raised up in churches planted among, really, the, the growing diversity across the United States. As we, we think about, again, like I said earlier, where, where, are the, where are the places and the people where the gospel needs to really reach? And, and, and when we think about the All People Initiative, you know, you think initially that it would be there's a number of racial and ethnic, you know, groups and places and issues that we need to address. And that certainly is true. And, and, and yet, what, what I'm encouraged by, even recently, one of the newer uh, kind of growing pieces that, that are a part of our All People Initiative is connecting with people in local churches that have ministries to folks in their communities with disabilities. And it's, it's looking to say, where are the people that are unnoticed in communities? Where are the people that aren't being touched with the gospel? How do we look for them? And so the All People Initiative is really to say, we want to work as, as best we can so that the church looks like what we'd see in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, where you see people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. And certainly it's a part of that our overseas missions work that we do. It was a significant part of what I did for a decade in Africa. But we look around the United States as well, and, and the truth is there's a significant number of the unreached people groups from around the world that live in the United States today. And say, where are they? How do we begin to reach them? How do we And how do we address some of the longstanding issues in the United States? I mean, there there are some deep issues that relate to race, relate to other things. We want to bring the gospel to bear on that. Hey, what does the gospel have to say mm. about the oneness that we have in Christ? And so that, that's a bit of what we're doing with our All People Initiative, and it, it's really training and, and raising up raising up leaders, raising up church planters. One of my hearts is to see to see leaders, um, disciple-making leaders raise up to be able to plant multi-ethnic churches in broken communities all across the United States. I mean, what, 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 a, great, what a great thing that would be for the kingdom. And uh, part of what that All People Initiative does as well, I mean, for example— we have uh, uh, something called Gateway, which is a, a theological – it's a, sort of a non-formal, non-traditional theological training that we do for pastors and leaders. And we have just seen so many pastors and leaders equipped that are now – that are now, have planted and are pastoring churches uh, of recent immigrants to the United States or churches that are in inner cities in the United States and other places. So I uh, want to continue to see that grow. Mm.
0: Kevin, okay, I might be wrong on this, but I believe that recently, was there a new hire within the All People's Initiative?
3: There was. Yeah. We just, in fact, we just, uh, Alex Vandes has been leading that for a number of years. Um, and April Warfield has just come on to be working in that multi-ethnic area within us, within the, within the EFCA. Uh, April worked for a number of years uh, with what was called Bump, which is uh Bridging Urban Ministry Projects, which was uh, an opportunity for teenagers to go and do ministry in inner cities, and and she now is giving leadership to help us in this this, uh, multicultural dimension of ministry. Mm, That's
0: so great. Uh, Thank you so much for telling us about that. We'd also like to hear a little bit about the EFCA crisis response and uh, the work that's done there.
3: You know, crisis response—it's been—it's been incredible to watch crisis response grow and to see the opportunities. Um, It's—it's like Mark Lewis, who leads crisis response. He says, "You know, out of every crisis, a mission opportunity arises." Mm-hmm. And so, it's in looking at places around the world and in the United States, where where there's uh, often it's a it, it it's some type of a, a of a natural disaster like. Major major ministry we've had for a long time was following the Hurricane Katrina that that hit New Orleans area so hard. The opportunity to to have ministry there in the Houston area following the the Hurricane and all the devastation that happened there. There's some work now that's being done up in a town called Paradise, California, that literally just was wiped off the map by a wildfire. And ways to be able to work with local churches. Often it's teams of volunteers from churches around the country that come to be able to do um, rebuilding, but then to walk alongside people to share the gospel and to connect them to local churches. So we've seen it in multiple places around the United States and multiple places around the world, Mm. and it's opportunities to be able to see the compassionate heart of Jesus lived out through the church, connecting with the church on the ground in different places in the U.S. and around the world. Mm.
1: Kevin, I'm so thankful for the ministry of the the crisis response. Um, we actually got to take a, a team a couple of years ago from our church. It was after a couple of hurricanes um, slammed into Florida, and uh, we were able to join yep. Yep. Uh, up with some other people uh, that were working with EFCA Crisis Response down there. And it was just, it was just a great experience just to get to come alongside those brothers and sisters and be a part of something. Uh, larger than than just us, and to to serve in that way. I I, I did want to ask, and um, in our current crisis with the uh, the pandemic, um, it, yeah. it, it one of the massive challenges that we've experienced is it puts a a barricade in the way of all of our normal responses, right? So when a crisis hits, yeah. we normally rush to be with people um, and to, right. to to go and to be hands-on and, and to help and all that, and, and those are the very things you can't do. Uh, is there anything particular that you have been seeing uh, pastors or churches do or that you've been encouraging pastors and churches to do in order to be able to respond well in the midst of this uh, in, in their communities and local churches?
3: Sure. Well, I mean, here's some of the things that I've seen local churches doing that I've been, been encouraging others to look at number 1 is a lot of a lot of our churches we already have existing connections and relationships with whether it's ministries um, maybe other churches in our communities people we already know and rather than starting from scratch it's saying who's who's there how could we get involved obviously doing it safely mm-hmm. where you know where where people are taking appropriate precautions and all of those things But I think as what what I've seen is some good examples early on in the pandemic. So many of our churches, um, where there were young adults who said, "I'll go grocery shopping for the seniors in our church in the in the neighborhood around the church." We want to make sure we can really keep the most vulnerable people safe. And so the churches stepped up and they're buying groceries and they're picking up prescriptions for people. They're saying, "Where's that need? There's a need. How can we fill it?" Looking for other ministries in the community where they could volunteer in ways that they know would make a difference for the gospel churches that are, are even, even now, I mean, I know, you know, a couple churches where they're just more um, uh, strategically going places outside. These are places like in Alabama where it's not super cold in the wintertime and where they're mm-hmm. going outside where you can, you can be around people safely and, and simply having conversations with them. And, and to, to, to be able to say, we want to do, we, just because there's a pandemic, it doesn't mean we don't care. We do care. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is just finding creative ways. I, one, of, one of the ways I really loved was that, uh, that a friend of mine who said, you know, I just realized that I needed to tell my neighbors, this was in the early days of the pandemic, I need to tell my neighbors that I care about them. And mm-hmm. so she made up a little card with her name and her address and her phone number. And she simply said, hi, my name is Amy. I live across, you know, I live at this address on our block. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And if there's anything I could do to help you, please call me. And she just went around and put that on doorknobs in her neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it was just Mm -hmm. a way to say, I care. And and so I think some of it is we just, we, we, we can't be afraid. We need to live. We need to step into this. And be creative and recognize that I think honestly, as the pandemic begins to wind down, Lord willing, more vaccines are out there and a variety of other things, people are going to be hungry for connections with people. Mm-hmm. And I think as the church, we need to be prepared. So, what can we do to have meaningful conversations with people? Uh, I don't know just in my own neighborhood, I've gotten to meet more of my neighbors that live two or three blocks from me. My wife and I walk every early every morning. And before dinner every night, we go out for about a two-mile walk in our neighborhood. We've gotten to know people, talk to them in their driveways, all this kind of stuff that, Lord willing, into the future, we're going to be able to continue to grow and develop those relationships. So it's, uh, I think it's just being very practical and saying, Lord, how can we be your hands and feet? That's
1: awesome and so helpful. I, I It's so funny to me how often we can overcomplicate things, and sometimes it really is just the simplest of, of things that you can just do in order to connect with people and reach out
3: yeah i mean absolutely absolutely and um you know and i i not i know sometimes i think we we, we can tend to make things more complex than they really need to be mm-hmm.
2: kevin we we didn't plan on this question but <clears throat> i was thinking about i was reflecting on 2020 uh as jonathan was asking just about uh this pandemic that we've been in and, and obviously last year too uh we saw a year of Uh, racial unrest and uh, the death of of George Floyd. And so I was wondering if maybe you could share with us some ways in which you saw uh, EFCA churches uh, respond in that moment um, in a positive way, because I feel like a lot of times when we start having these discussions, it's sometimes it's about uh, maybe the division within churches over certain issues. But I'd like to hear about uh, some ways in which you saw EF EFCA churches come together uh, in that moment of crisis.
3: Sure. Well, in fact, I I had I was on a I was on a Zoom call actually with about uh, ten uh, pastors of EFCA churches in Minneapolis that were within about a two mile radius, three mile radius. Of the of the place where George Floyd was killed and where mm. rioting was going on, I mean, some of these mm. churches were, were close to what's going on, mm. and uh, I mean, it was it was it was incredible to be with them to hear the things their churches were doing uh, because at that at that point in that in their city, um, stores mm. shut down, gas stations shut down. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't buy anything. It was like mm. this whole area shut down. And so churches were finding ways to be able to get groceries and bring them to the church and be able to get them to give them to people. They were, they, they were, they were out cleaning up and sweeping up for from, from merchants and you know, doing that kind of thing after things were broken. Now Obviously, that's in the heart of what, what's happening. Mm. I, I think the other things that I saw that were really helpful were, were churches, pastors, leaders from majority white culture churches— that we're reaching out to some of our African American brothers and sisters, and simply saying, can, "Can we talk? Can we pray? Can I hear? How's this affected you?" Mm. And and to develop, I would just call them redemptive relationships, and and, and to, so that the issues became not that the issues became about real people, real friends that I know that were impacted by some of these things, be able to have those conversations. And I talked to pastors who who, who did. I mean, they looked in their community. Who, who can I have a conversation with? Who, who can I, you know, in a safe way uh, and during, obviously this is pandemic time too, so sure. how do I do this in a way that's not going to endanger somebody because of a disease to be able to engage them? Um, the, the other thing that I found that one of our churches in the Twin City area, up in the Minneapolis-Saint-Paul area, um, did this in the summer when it was, the weather was nice and people could be out in, in, in their backyards. They started what they called Proximate Conversations. And, 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 by that they meant when we get in close proximity, we need with each other. In other words, we're sitting in somebody's backyard and, and, and we're, we're, we're talking together and we begin just to talk together and share our hearts. That really good open dialogue happened. And it was, it was very helpful for them. And, you know, and I think to some degree getting out of the, um, you know, I, I well, you, you you asked me about social media preferences before <laughs> when you get out of just using screens mm, yeah. and you actually see three-dimensional people conversations are very different yeah because they're real people and they have real they have they have real hopes and dreams and 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 hurts and and, and issues that we could talk about mm. and, and i think so much of it is it's saying how can i interact with people with the heart of jesus because he loves them and and, mm-hmm. and and I wanna get to know them and I've just it's been encouraging for me to watch churches do
1: that. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's it's just it's encouraging to hear. It's it's helpful and um yeah, we just appreciate uh your leadership uh of the denomination as a yeah. whole as we've yeah. walked through these really challenging um year, year, yeah, over a year now, yeah. um, just, uh, with the pandemic, with, uh, all of the different issues we've, we've faced, uh, uh, racial injustice issues, the election cycle. I know this has had to be a challenging year for you personally. And so we just, as, as three EFCA pastors, we just want to say from us to you that we thank you for your leadership. We yes. see it. We appreciate it. Yes. We know this thank has been a, a really wearying time for a lot of, of pastors. Um, and there's been a lot who have, resigned or, or moved on from ministry. And, and I think that one of the things that for us has, has been helpful and encouraging for us is to be able to look at the national leadership of the EFCA and know that we're going to find good, solid word. We're going to find the love of Jesus centered on the gospel, and we're going to find encouragement for our own souls as well. And we felt that, uh, through the EFCA theology conference, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, we, we, could feel, hey, this has been put together in such a way as to encourage us with with where we are. And so we just appreciate your leadership in in all of that. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Well um, and I even think about Greg Strand's uh blog post in the in the midst of all of the racial injustice. It was a lament mm-hmm. for um injustice. And we read that prayer yeah, we on a Sunday that, yeah. morning. And so many wow. people in the congregation deeply resonated with it. It gave us words to uh, process the moment, to bring everything that we were feeling before the Lord, to, to cry out together as a body, um, and to do so also while uh, simultaneously lifting up Jesus. And so to have a denomination that um, is helping us and, and guiding us through these moments and not um, adding to the noise <laughs> and the division has just been such a gift. So I know we've said it, but we really do want to say thank you. Um, And thank you to all the leaders in the denomination for the work that y'all have done this past year.
3: Well, I appreciate your encouragement. I really do. I just, uh, you know, as I think about our desire, how we can best partner with our districts and serve our church as well, how we can resource some things like a prayer of lament, um, some ways to help people think through things. That's why we do what we do. So thank you for your, thanks for your encouragement. And uh, it, it's, it really is a joy to partner with you in, in the work of the gospel.
1: Yeah, the, the, the joy and the pleasure is ours. It really is. Now, now, don't think that we don't have any complaints. We do, after we get off the phone with you, we do have to talk a lot about Glenn Schreiber for a while.
3: <laughs> That's right. Just, uh, That's okay. That's okay. send send me an email I'll take care of it
1: (laughs) well but before we before we get off the phone with you and just once again thank you for being so gracious with your time uh just one final question if uh if our listeners and our church members if they wanted to feel more connected to the denomination as a whole are there any steps that you would recommend them taking
3: well I mean I think there are a couple of things I mean I would encourage them to go to our website, which is simply EFCA.org, just EFCA.org. Um, some great resources on there as far as things about some of the ministries and some of the you know the blogs and conversations, et cetera, that we you've talked about are all there. There's also an update that twice a month we um, we send out it's an email update called EFCA update, and at the bottom of our of our homepage of our website, you can sign up for that update about a couple times a month, and it'll just give you things, articles maybe to read, blogs that have been written, training opportunities, ways to to be able to find out a little bit more about what's going on within the EFCA, and those'll be a couple of really good steps, and then, uh, you know, just to continue to engage with with Glenn and what's going on in the southeast part of the United States, and we see what's happening there, along with some of the ministries that you've talked about, and, you know, I think about even reach global and, and missions and missionaries that there's a part of the world that you have a real heart for. I know Brian Duggan who leads that team and his, the team that he works with would be happy to engage you in any of those ways that we could serve you.
1: Awesome. Well, and please pass along uh, our uh, appreciation to whoever it is that, that runs and designs the EFCA website, because I know that even <laughs> from, even from the 10 years that I've been a part of the nomination, like the the website is just it's so well done mm-hmm. um, and, and has improved so much over the years and is a, a really helpful, helpful resource. And, uh, and for our well,
3: listeners, I, I will do, I'll do that because they think we just launched the new homepage about, a, about a month ago. So uh, I'll let them know. I know they've worked really hard on it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And for, uh, for our listeners, we'll put uh, some of these links of, to, to the things that Kevin has been mentioning. We'll put those uh, on our Instagram or in the, the, show notes and, and all of those kinds of things but Kevin we're just really appreciative and just thank you so much for joining us.
3: Well you're welcome it's been fun for me to be with you and appreciate what you're doing there in your church and in your community and um, that you want to engage and be a part of this this group of uh, churches across country that we call the EFCA.
0: Yes Kevin as we go how can we be praying for you and for our denomination?
3: Well, you know, I think there are several things, especially as we move. You know, we've mentioned the last 12 months, 12, yeah, 12 months or a little bit more, have been unlike anything any of us have experienced. And as we move into sort of what's next, um, prayer for wisdom, you know, how to best, um, and in a sense, move into these next months to see the gospel really go, go forth in people's lives. And for me, how can I best come alongside our district superintendents and our, our national, our, you know, our national ministries and our international ministries Our reach global reach national um, staff for me to, to know how I can best be at that encouragement to them and have wisdom as we begin to move all of this forward, because I, I mean, I think there's some really incredible opportunities that are ahead for us. I just want to make sure that we're not so exhausted that we miss them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so, you know, I think pray for that for me. I think across the movement, um, there's just a real need for grace and strength and really the winsome heart of Jesus to be seen within churches and churches into the community where we stand clearly on the truth of of the gospel. We do it well, like the apostle John wrote in, in, in John's gospel, John 1, verse 14, the last part of that verse. I mean, John probably understood Jesus as well. Uh, in his earthly life, as anyone except maybe Mary. And John described Jesus as being full of grace and full of truth. And I just pray that's what we would all be, that we'd be like Jesus, full of grace and full of truth, as we share his love with others.
0: We'll know that you and all other EFC churches are, are in our prayers. And we just thank you again so much for your time, Kevin. It's been such a blessing
3: you're welcome thanks for
1: the invitation well we hope that you enjoyed uh, that interview as much as the three of us did Uh, Kevin was just so generous with his time and and what you heard is him like I mean that's how he really is Uh, he really is the nicest human being that we've ever met
0: yeah I've always said that as the president of the EFCA Kevin is not our Pope but if he was I don't think I'd be upset
1: (laughs) he would make a great Pope (laughs) he really
0: would and he is such a joy to have on.
1: Yeah, and, and he was only present for the interview portion of this. So, Kevin, if you go back and listen to what we recorded as an intro, and even <laughs> this is an outro, yeah. we apologize. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of Shades Midweek. We thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Yeah.
0: Go to efca.org.